1: Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game, with me, Kevin Day, and him, Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. That was a bit of a Two Ronnie-style intro, Kieran, so let's let's continue the theme. We have a packed show today, but first, some news. Uh, and our first news story is that referee Lee Mason has been given the keys to the borough of Croydon for services to comedy. <laughs>
2: Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, I've, I've uh, <laughs> sorry, I've I, I, I so many people tweeted me yesterday to say, "Don't, don't. It's not Kieran's fault. Well, don't ever it go." It's just. I went to bed chuckling. It's just hilarious. <laughs> I've, it's, I've, never, I've never seen anything like it. No, you know? I don't. I don't <laughs> think it is. And well. <laughs> if it had I mean, happened to Man City, I'd have gone. Oh dear, that's that's an interesting incident, isn't it? But you know. It was, yeah. I, 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 can, I can share your frustration, Kieran. It was, a, it was a bizarre incident. But unfortunately, I can't let you talk about it because it has no relation to football finance. So let's move on. Well, it, it does, because if we get relegated on the back of
2: it, it's going to cost us a fortune. But also, it, it doesn't ignore the fact that we managed to be awarded two penalties and then failed to put it away. And... Yeah, f- failing it, to put you – know, and we did exactly the same against you. Yeah, you know, it's all—it's it's all, it's all very nice playing this type of football, but but you've you've got to close the deal. Um, and and mm-hmm. in and in certain and in certain respects, Kevin, it reminds me of my adolescence, oh, where yeah. on a where on a Friday or Saturday night, mm-hmm. I'd put on my best gear, I'd head down to the pink coconut, I'd give some of my best lines, I'd throw mm-hmm. some really good shapes on mm-hmm. the dance floor, and you know make a connection. And then say, "Yeah, fancy coming back to my place?" Mm. And yeah, the person was up for it. And then I get back to my moped, and and they change their mind. And that
1: that's that's where Brighton's football is at present. Mm. That's uh, that's an interesting I think Graham Potter would quite, quite like that analogy. Ian Holloway would definitely be up for that analogy. Yeah, well, I was I was on the way to the moped outside the the pink coconut, and then suddenly the pillion was empty. It's, <laughs> exactly. Um, it, it was uh, funny enough, I had uh, virtual bets with my son because we were both convinced that Lee Mason was just going to keep giving penalties in the second half <laughs> just to make up for what happened <laughs> realized Realise what an enormous error he'd made. But then it was, like you said, it's pointless. I just love the fact that you're, I don't, Fully understand expected goal thingy, but yours has been seven point seven in the last three games. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> you scored one goal, at sixty-six attempts. Never mind. Well, you can you can seasonally adjust it, Kieran. You'll you'll be fine. Um, but the, the first proper news story, Kieran, you were actually in because you were in front of a group of MPs this week to talk about gambling in football. How did that go? Uh, yeah, I, I was asked to talk to the. All Party Parliamentary Group
2: uh, in respect on gambling harm, um, and uh, there was uh, you know, a, a pretty big audience. It was uh, some people from Parliament, you know, the likes of Ian Duncan Smith. Mm. Uh, there were some people from the the football industry who'd had problems with gambling. So Peter Shilton, uh, mm. he, he spoke about on, on his his struggle. Uh, there was a, a young lad who played for Morton and then become addicted to. Oh. To gambling and now he goes through an education and, and there was James who we'd spoken to recently, so it was a mm. it, it was an audience um, my job there the, the question was can football afford to play without gambling sponsorship and uh, based on my figures it will be a wee bit more difficult but uh, yeah yeah it can so you know th- these these people who are apologists for the industry. Uh, saying it's uh, it's an essential part of the game, but I think we've got to look at broader issues because it, it's not just front of shirt sponsorship. It's it's the fact that we're now being carpet bombed um, as as an experiment. I, I don't gamble. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm I, 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 you know once a year on on the national. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the same as that person. I don't. Uh, I, I, I I like numbers too much to lose money to a gambling organisation because yeah, yeah, fair point. Um, so um, as, as an experiment, I, I opened up uh, a, a, an account with William Hill on Monday hmm. just to see what it was like, placed a small wager, which which you have seen, on on Crystal Palace to beat Brighton. Yeah. Um, and uh, then, you know, took the winnings, closed the I, – I took the money out of the account. And every day since then, I've received uh, – Emails from William Hill, but it's not. It's not even. It's sort of slightly insidious because it's yeah. it's Chloe at William Hill yeah, or yeah. Alice from William yeah, Hill. Yeah. Oh, Kieran, yo, congratulations on you in the other night, and we're going to offer you sixty free spins. On and I, I, I you know what? What sixty free spins is Kevin? Is is beyond me. I don't really understand these things. But uh, you know, for anybody that has had a problem with gambling. It's the fact that once you're in their ecosystem, it's really difficult to escape. Mm. They've got your phone number, they've got your email address. Yes, I know you can opt out, but you know these things take time. And for those people who have got that daily struggle uh, to to keep away from gambling, because it, it, it's a bit like it, it's a bit like alcohol, you know. Um, one is one too many, and twelve is never enough. Yeah. And that's the same for people that have this problem. Um, you you are faced with the normalisation. You know, it's 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 more enjoyable when you when you have a when you when you have a gamble, or things of this nature. Mm-hmm. So the the overwhelming consensus was that the the status quo is, uh, is is not appropriate. It's not protecting people who are in vulnerable positions. And uh, you know, going forwards, ultimately, it's it's got to be um, an issue which is dealt with by government because self-regulation uh, simply doesn't enough. You know, self-regulation is is what's the minimum we can get away with. You know, what's what's the tokenism? You know, yeah. you know, when the fun stops, stop. If you're a gambling addict, there is no fun.
1: Yeah, and also when you see the same people, uh, I'm a big I'm a big fan of uh, Jeff Stelling as a broadcaster, but when you see the same people doing adverts for you to gamble and then doing separate adverts for you to gamble responsibly, then that message does get blurred, doesn't it? Of mm-hmm. course it does. Uh, we had several tweets um, from people who tried to close their, their betting accounts down after they listened to our interview with, with James from Gambling Real Lives. and they said it was virtually impossible to close it down because they just kept being led away from the, you know, I want to end this now sorry, to something else. And then, as you say, being offered inducements, To stay, I I, obviously I don't approve, Kieran, of people hedging their bets on their own team losing. But you know, in those circumstances, I think it was very wise of you to uh, foresee that we were going to score that last minute goal because we we were so much in control of that situation that we knew exactly when we were going to score. Do you get? uh, It's obviously impossible for you to judge from the tone of the MPs' questions, Kieran. But do you get the the feeling from the mood music that's coming out of Parliament that the, the days of gambling? betting sponsorship are are, are nearly over because it it seems to me that this is an issue that parliament are taking very seriously all, all of a sudden in the last year it seems that this is an issue that looks to me like it's heading inevitably for an end to gambling sponsorship within the next decade or so
2: uh, yeah i i think i think if it is in a, in in a decade the gambling industry will be absolutely delighted because we've seen moves elsewhere mm-hmm. in europe to to stop yeah. this um, and and if if it's just front of shirt sponsorship which is banned actually the gambling companies won't be too bothered because yeah, yeah, yeah. Paddy Power <clears throat> uh, I don't think they're sponsoring a club but yeah I know they had their, their 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 wacky arrangement with Huddersfield Town just over a year ago mm. but uh, yeah William Hill don't Labrook don't Coral don't um it's it's the non-stop advertisements which I think are more of an issue yeah. um and and it's not just football because uh you know like like the rest of the nation or m- many of the rest of the nation you know I'm 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 indoors most of the time uh, occasionally the baroness will be watching some mid morning channel and now it's foxy bingo yeah, and uh, other yeah. forms of yeah. gambling and and again yeah. once you're in you're in um the 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 sense that I got from the the parliamentarians and you know that one was very very anti Uh, the position we're in, is that it's a case of when rather than if. But my concern is that if we just go down the tokenistic route of uh, getting rid of of front-of-shirt sponsorship and feeling that the the issue has been addressed, then... That that's just a drop in the ocean because many of these gambling companies are not based in the UK. They're what are referred to as as white label um, sponsors, where you know, ManBetX and W88 and you know, LoveBet or whatever they, they don't even have a presence in the UK. So, uh, get getting rid of that isn't going to impact uh, it, their their relationships. Are all to do with uh, Asian betting, uh, and things are. Uh, to say that they are complex over there is, is somewhat of an understatement. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on this story, Kieran, because we've got a, a lot of interesting questions today because it is technically questions day. But those Foxy Bingo adverts in particular really annoy me because initially they're selling you conversation with like-minded and it's women in the advert. It's just like you know, there's nothing to do during lockdown. Why not? Why not get on board this website and chat to to women in your situation? Oh, and while you're there, it'll be more fun if you. And it's it's that it's that lack of honesty. I you know, I wouldn't mind if they said, look, here's you know, here's here's a here's a gambling site. You could lose some money. You could win. Now, I I would kind of put up with that to an extent. I, I would be more impressed with that level of honesty than this kind of sneaky ninja style of advertising which is you know there's a lot of vulnerable especially during lockdown there's so many people who are vulnerable and miserable and lost who who think oh well, I will chat to people and they've obviously got as I know this for a fact that they have people who in the chat room you know inverted commas genuine people in the chat room who are who are employees of the company who are then encourage you know they'll they'll chat about what's the, the vaccinations and and the cat and then say, "All oh, right, let's let's have a bit of bingo," and it's it's just that's got to stop. Anyway, Kieran, um, as you predicted, there is a, a another bit of good news to add to the light at the tunnel end of the tunnel we were discussing earlier this week, because it looks like all Premier League football fans will get a chance, at least, to see their team play before the season ends.
2: Yes, uh there are there have been a few complications with regard to uh the country coming out of uh part of the the lockdown on May the 17th which is uh, 2 days after the FA Cup final uh, and effectively a week before the the final set of fixtures and you know, it has been said. Well, that means that half the clubs in the Premier League are going to get the benefit of of a crowd behind them, and half aren't. Which, which you know, it's 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 a small difference that a crowd can make, but it is a difference. And we've got, you know, we've said we've got Fulham versus Newcastle, yeah. um, and and I'm hoping that that will be a, a big match for 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 the rest of the Premier League, and mm. nobody else has got any interest in it. <laughs> yeah. um, but. Um, it's, the the Premier League are now thinking they they've got another set of midweek fixtures, um, which could be shifted to uh, sort of the eighteenth or nineteenth of May, and that wouldn't upset the the broadcasters. Um, it would. Therefore, allow every club in the Premier League to to have a match taking place before crowds, and, and the the guidance we're getting from government, it's going to be, uh, I think, the lower of ten thousand or twenty five percent of capacity. Yeah. So, if that does go ahead, uh, I think I think it'll be it'll, it'll be good for football, it'll be good for football fans, um, and it'd be good for the players because you know whilst we are watching these matches, it,
1: we've said all along it's 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 not the same, no. No, God, just imagine that game yesterday if there'd been a, a, full, a full crowd. All right, so that's, that, is, that is good news anyway. But it, it, it is questions day, Kieran, and we do need to move on because we've got some interesting questions, but none of them are quick answers by the look of it. And the first one comes from Tanaka Hakuna, who says Can you explain why Liverpool can claim money from FIFA to cover Joe Gomez's basic pay while he's out injured? Yes, uh, this is all due to the FIFA Club Protection
2: Program, which is an insurance policy offered by FIFA. Uh, when when a player is on when a player is on international duty, he's effectively being loaned by uh, his, his parent club to the, the international federation. Mm. Um, and of course, there's a risk of injury uh, when this takes place. So FIFA agreed with the uh, with the individual leagues and and with clubs that they would set up uh, some form of insurance uh, program and it, the way that it works is that if a player is injured on international duty and is subsequently uh, unable to play for a period of 28 days or more then the scheme kicks in so i think in respect of joe gomez we're talking around about uh, 2 million pounds in wages which he's earned uh, since his uh, injury when he was when he was on Playing well, I think it was, uh, it was even in training for England, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that is now being covered. And it, and, it will, and if you take a look at uh FIFA's account, and, and of course I do, <laughs> um, <laughs> then, then this uh, then this sum is quite substantial. It was, it was over 25 million in 2019. Uh, during World Cup years, it always tends to rise because clearly players do get injured during the competition itself. Um, and and I think it's it, it's a fair approach. Uh, mm. you, you know, y- yes, you know the players all want to to represent their country, and we will want that as well. Um, but but there is a risk, uh, and they are also employees of, of a third party. So so that that's the way that the system works. Uh, and you know, everybody wishes Joe Gomez a. Uh, a, a swift recovery uh but uh, you know the the FIFA financial director will be cheering on him on even more
1: mm. I, I, presumably there are some kind of medical protocols involved as well just to avoid the chance that Joe Gomez may have already had you know a strain or a stress injury from training with Liverpool you, there must be some kind of proof required that the actual injury was entirely caused during international duty presumably Yes, I mean. Remember,
2: normally the 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 club doctor at the at the uh, the parent club would have submitted any outstanding uh, niggles uh, just to let the the international uh, team doctors be aware. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, because, yeah, you know, more importantly than that, yes, Liverpool have have managed to get the the two million pounds of Joe Gomez's salary back, but. It, it's impacted them far worse on the pitch of course. since then. So, so yeah. you know, that, that's why we see some players are fairly legendary over a period of time for, for getting injuries and being unable to fulfil
1: their international obligations. You know, I imagine of all the footballing organisations and clubs that we talk about, the one that would least like you to look at their accounts is FIFA, I imagine. <laughs> I imagine there would be a certain tremor, certain mm. free threesomes. <laughs> oh, my God, Kieran McGuire's looking at close close out the Bahamas final immediately. Um, now, Farhad Al-Khadi has one of those questions that I think you could answer with one word, but probably deserves a whole pod. But it's a very interesting question. And Farhad Al-Khadi says, after the, the Man City, UEFA case, Wigan going into administration and many, many other financial issues around the world of football, Don't you think the football industry and other sports now needs a set of specific accounting standards besides the normal standards, such as GAAP, which is generally accepted accounting principles? Well, my answer would be yes. Uh, And secondly, I hope that the GAAP includes don't get involved with the Russian Mafia kieran that'd be, that'd be rule number three certainly of generally accepted accounting principles i would i weren't aware of these generally accepted ca- accounting principles are they generally accepted kieran yes they are it, it, yeah. it's it's universal it, oh, it affects,
2: oh, right okay uh every country you can have either your local rules or most countries um with the exception of the usa uh, apply uh, uh the the international rules oh, okay
1: and so the question, then, I mean, it, it seems to me a no-brainer that you would certainly have a set of specific accounting standards, wouldn't you, for for each sport? Uh, my my gut reaction
2: is is no, okay. Um, and and the reason why I say that is what you need is a uh, an enhanced version of of what we have applying to all other industries because football. Uh, you know, whether we like it or not is part of the, the service sector, it's, it's part of the entertainment sector uh, in, in, in the world, here, in the, especially in the UK and, and other countries, in Europe and South America and so on. Um, we, there are some unique issues and, and what we need is uh, a, a better regulator so at present if we have specific rules which apply to football such as financial fair play such as the football creditors rule uh, such as you know various other bits and pieces in terms of what is disclosed and not disclosed uh we have self regulation uh, in in the sense that uh, the, the the Premier League, you need 14 votes out of 20. There are certain voting voting protocols in the uh, EFL, and all of a sudden, self interest applies. So uh, it, it used to be that that some clubs, and we'll be returning to this later, some clubs used to fully disclose the the transfer fees they played on every on every single transfer. Mm. Now you and I, and I think 99.99% of football fans, we'd like that to be the de facto rule because mm, mm. it's our club yeah uh, you know, just how much have we wasted on that useless center forward uh, you know it's, it's not going to make him better or worse but uh, we are the biggest stakeholders in the game. Um, but the football club owners say well we, we don 't legally have to do that, so therefore we 're not going to and and you know, in in my view self regulation is a bit like self abuse it it makes you very short sighted in terms of disclosure and and decision making and things of that nature um and as a consequence I, I think we we get left with sort of the lowest common denominator in in terms of of what we see which is which is frustrating because Sometimes I think it's important to be aware of what's taking place. Um, not all fans are interested in the finances of their clubs, and fully fully rightly so. But if you've got one or two at every club, it, it does help to, to keep the club being called to account.
1: Mm. I once asked an optician about the uh, fabled link between self-abuse and short-sightedness, and he said, not proven. Uh, I don't think he was particularly impressed by the question, but he said said there was no actual scientific evidence. (laughs) Traditionally, St. Patrick's Day is for pubs, not pubes. But Manscaped is the global leader for below-the-waist grooming, and they sponsored this show to ensure you have the best tools for your ball-trimming experience. If you plan on getting lucky this St. Patrick's Day, then you may as well use code PRICEOFFOOTBALL at manscaped.com for 20% off and free international shipping. And you're in luck because the Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's
2: hygiene bundle. Included in this new package is the Weed Whacker, which is an ear and nose hair trimmer. And it's waterproof and uses a 9,000 revolutions per minute motor. It's powered 360 degrees rotary dual blade system, and I have no idea what that means. However, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Why not use the best tools for the job here? Now, this bundle includes the Lawn Mower 3.0 trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt and body you'll feel confident shaving your thunder down under. And you can also get festive and safely shave a shamrock in your pubes. Though, if you are doing a shamrock and it's already green down there, I'd recommend getting some penicillin too.
1: Do you know, if my poor departed mother, God rest her soul, knew that I was using St. Patrick's Day to encourage people to buy a pube shaving device, she'd be She'd be having serious words with all of us. <laughs> like, of course you need to shamrock in your pubes on St. Patrick's Day. That's it's virtually one of the only things you can do to celebrate at this moment. And you can get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code Football at manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com. There's gold at the end of the rainbow with manscaped. Interesting that you should mention football as part of the entertainment sector, um, and Lee Mason certainly was part of the entertainment <laughs> sector <laughs> yesterday, uh, God bless him, but it does, it does lead us on to a question from Tony McNeary, um, and again, this is one of those questions that I tried to sort of sub down, but I, I, it wouldn't do justice to the question if I didn't read it in its its full glory. This is a very interesting one. Tony McNary says, that on a recent Financial Times video conference, I must have missed that one, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 must, I must have a word with my PA about, about my diary service. Um, but on a recent Financial Times video conference, Paolo Del Pino, CEO of uh, Seriar in Italy, of course, said that in joining with private equity, the new business model for R is, and I quote, the strategic goal of becoming a media company. He said that football clubs are in the entertainment industry as you said, and, as, and should focus on content distribution. But on the same panel, however, Susan Whelan, CEO of Leicester City, said clubs should seek, and again I quote, merit through the domestic leagues. Now, Tony would like to know what you think about these two opposing propositions. Well,
2: I, I think uh, the football industry,
1: and, and, I, and I hate to think of it as
2: an industry, mm. you and I are both football fans who... Mm. Uh, yeah, we we we've we have connections in the world of football, but we still go along to to shout and scream and abuse Lee Mason um, and things yeah. of that nature. Um, <laughs> he's,
1: he's surely he he won't be refereeing any Brighton games at home. It? Sure, really. <laughs> That's one thing. I mean, I I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that the PGMOL the the professional referees. Would wouldn't just be fair in these things. But I think they'll probably say leave it till give it till February, give it till March before before Lee Mason gets a game in the Make it an evening game in the Carabao Cup. That'd be fine. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you imagine the noises are gonna be when they say tonight's referee is Lee Mason. Oh, there'll be there be cups of hummus flying all over the place, wouldn't it? <laughs> <Yes>. Very hard <laughs> to get red and it's very hard to get red wine stains out of a referee's costume, costume, referee's costume. <laughs> Anyways, yes, Kieran, carry on with your. Anyway,
2: um, so in, in terms of where we are, th- th- there are there are two issues that that the clubs are are dealing with. First of all, um, the desire to win trophies, the desire to to better themselves, the desire to win matches, and which is you know the, the fan base. It's it's the sporting focus. It's the sporting priority of the club, and, and we hope and, and the romantic in us believes that at the start of the season all clubs have an equal chance blah 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 we, we know it's not true really mm. and and then we are seeing increasingly the the demands and the desires of the uh the, the, the capitalist, yeah, and that's not. I'm not being critical of the capitalist system, but the the capitalist bottom line focus, uh, private private equity companies, and I, and I know some people that work for private that work for companies which have been acquired by private equity. Private equity companies come in and they they look at every single piece of expenditure. They they cut back on everything which they consider to be waste, um, and and their aim is financial. Now the reason why I think this is an issue is that if there, there is increasing ownership in the game from private equity and, and, and areas of that nature, then the the creeping uh the creeping isolationism of the of the larger clubs in the sense that they want automatic entry into the Champions League, they, they don't want to play so many domestic fixtures, they want to go on more lucrative pre-season tours. Um that's that's that will become the football of the future, and we will very much be sort of in a, you know, a Marie Antoinette let them eat cake position. If if we are not, it's not just fans of uh, you know our clubs, you know, Brighton and Crystal Palace. It's those clubs in the Championship that want to get into the Premier League. You know, and and there are some fantastically amazing clubs in that division with with rich histories. You know. Forest, Derby, Sheffield Wednesday, right. Middlesbrough, Sunderland, and so on. It's it's going to make it you know, f- football is not going to be the same for them because they're going to str- They're, they're going to struggle to get in, and it's going to make clubs outside of the elite fairly worthless because you know the, the chance for a, for an investor to come in and change the dynamics of a football club as we've seen with Manchester City and Chelsea and yeah and you know we we can be critical of some issues to do with the owners um but for the fans of those clubs it, it's 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 happy days. You, you won't hear City fans or Chelsea fans grumbling about uh, Sheikh Mansour or Abramovich, and and it's also made the Premier League more competitive because the, the Premier League was boring mm. prior prior mm. to Abramovich turning up. Mm. Um, right. So uh, that's that's where we are, um, and 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 the game is in conflict, uh, and you know, un- unfortunately, money normally wins in these situations. Mm.
1: You know, this is slightly off piece, but I always feel a bit sorry for Marie Antoinette because um, the word she used, it wasn't cake. The word she used was a a French word that we have no translation for, which is a kind of bread. And what she actually said is, why is there not enough bread for them to eat? But that's that's what history does, unfortunately. Um, Robert Webster, uh, I think I'm probably interpreting this as a plaintive question, but Robert Webster has a slightly plaintive question, which is, please, could you give us an update on Wigan? I noticed a strap on Sky Sports News yesterday, uh, which basically said uh, the administrators say it's all good, don't worry. But what is the, the latest update on Wigan?
2: Well, the, the latest update on Wigan is that there are no updates on Wigan. I mean, oh, the, the perfect, administrators, perfect, okay. and, and I've been, you know, I've, I've Pointed fingers at them in terms of the uh, the very lucrative nature of being in charge of Wigan Athletic, as far as they are concerned. Mm. Uh, I mean, they were putting up weekly updates on the club website, um, and the most recent one, which I think fans would have uh, managed to draw some hope from, was along the lines of. There were half a dozen interested parties. Um, after getting their fingers burnt the last time, the the, the administrators said we're not going to give exclusivity yeah. to a potential owner. Uh, so now it's, you know, highest bidder, who who gets themselves over the line the fastest. Um, with the best offer, so that all seemed positive. There'd been a joint meeting with the EFL and one possible buyer. Some of the other buyers ha- appeared to have ind- uh, be able to uh, provide proof of funds, so it looked all good. um And then this Friday's update, because I, I do I do pop into the Wigan website each week to, to see what's going on. They've said um we're not going to give any more weekly updates. Oh, certainly. why not? What well, you know if, if it, even even no news is news sure um, yeah, of so yeah I, I think I think that's yeah part of me says well okay somebody's being charged four hundred pounds an hour to to write this up on the club website so yeah. you know perhaps perhaps it's it's saving a bit of money but uh fans deserve more you know they we we, we do need a bit more transparency Of course. yes yes there has to be um some some privacy in terms of negotiations and, and things of that nature, but at least a, a a week a weekly progress report isn't too much to ask.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah you know, I can just about accept it. I don't agree with it, but if a, a, a new club owner says on the club website, "Look, the finances of the club are my business and, and not yours," that's that's one thing. But when it's the future of the club at stake, then you've got you're 100% guaranteed you have to give fans a weekly update. Even as you say, it's it's to refresh the notice that says, unfortunately, there's no news. But you you can't do that to fans. You can't just give them no information because the problem is that then they start to speculate and then rumours spread and then fans are even more miserable than they are now. So that's that's not good news. Um, yeah. Our next question is from Doug, just Doug. And that's fine. You don't have to give surnames. But, you know, just to let you know, we're not grasses. We're not going to get onto. HMRC. Or, there, are, there are no grasses in my family. Well, we know that for a we Well, not, not that are still with us anyway. Let's put it that <laughs> yes. way. Um, now Doug is a Man United season ticket holder uh, who says that the club called him recently to say that in response to an FA instruction, all season tickets will be changed from cards to digital. Um, now, Doug says he can't see the safety benefit, which is apparently behind it, but he can see fans being inconvenienced, mainly because Old Trafford is a notorious phone signal a black spot, then that inconvenience would just be to save production and shipping costs. Um, now, I, I'm slightly perturbed about this, because in the alpha weight stand at Solar's Park, you can't get a signal for love nor money. And if if this is the case, this would discriminate against older fans who are not au with technology. So I'm hoping this isn't a precedent, Kieran, is it?
2: Um. Yeah, I've I, I've dug into this. I went on to the Manchester United website. Now, from what I've seen on the website, th- this is an issue which is a, is applying at present to season twenty 2020, twenty twenty one. Oh, right. Um, okay. Now, if 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 it's going to be the way forward, I, I think see, there oh. are there are potentially separate issues. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the, the rationale behind the use of e tickets is, uh, it it is better from a uh, a covid secure perspective you can use your smartphone you, you're not physically you know having to put your card or give your card to somebody to check and things of this nature so if, if it's being done purely on a short term covid secure basis and and certainly when when I went to uh when I, when I went to the amex to see us play in in one of the covid matches yeah. um it it was it was on an on an e-ticket basis right um that that's that's okay i i, I can i can live with that um if going forwards it's going to be the way um what what are the benefits to the club well as doug said that there will be cost savings but they'll be pretty pretty you know minimal yeah uh given given you know you're handing over six seven eight hundred quid whatever it's going to be um and they're saving themselves the price of a stamp and, and a smart card um in terms of the uh, issues to do with Wi-Fi, and again, yeah, we've we've said football is, you know, it is part of the entertainment sector. Well, well, for Christ's sake, make yourself Wi-Fi compliant. You know mm-hmm. we're not, we're not in nineteen ninety-four, and, and we've just discovered twenty-eight point eight k modems and waiting for you know four minutes to. to to download a birthday card and things of that nature, uh, it, it's there, there's no reason for it to be such a poor standard because you know it's been proven in the new stadiums that it can be done. So therefore, it's simply a case of just just spend the money to get it done. Hmm. Fan, fans deserve more. Um, if you if you are going to have e tickets, presumably there would have to be an option to print to have print at home, but not everybody is a printer at home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's an in, you know, what what I would do is as soon as I got my ticket, I I would then take a photograph of it. But as, as you rightly said, some some fans aren't uh, au fait with 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 the technology. Not everybody's got a smartphone. Yeah, you know, most people do. But you know, why why should we restrict it? Um, there there is also you know in theory, I've heard that there could be benefits in terms of security uh in terms of well if it goes to one person and on one person's phone only yeah, yeah, yeah. then how you know it will stop people from touting uh again my experience of this is that there's always ways and means uh you know I've yeah, I've got I've got connections Kevin, you know, I know, know, uh, and especially at places like Old Trafford at Anfield, you know, I've I've got a, I've got a mate called Scratchcard who uh, has 60 season tickets or has access to up to season 60 season tickets at Old Trafford. Mm. So, you know, if if they, if they're playing Burnley or Southampton at home at 1230 on a, on a Saturday, then he'll, you know, at Old Trafford, you can always sell your ticket via to a tourist um, and what will happen is that you know where these tickets are going to be. Uh, the way that the system works is that the person sitting the seat behind or the seat next is a friend of the season ticket holder. They get the the text message. This person sits in WN three four five. Okay, mate, right, you're in the ground now. I'll have the ticket back. So uh, yeah. everything works smoothly. Um, the club, uh, yeah, the club doesn't really want to get involved in things of this nature. So so that's that's how the system works. Okay. Um, could that work with e-tickets? Uh, yeah,
1: Th- these the, these guys are smart. They, they'd work a way around that as of well. Of course they would. Well, you just pass somebody your mobile phone don't you, and then get it back off them rather than a ticket. Um, talking of short-term solutions, Wayne Harris said, yeah, during the current crisis, is there anything to stop Premier League clubs upping sticks to a country that would allow fans into grounds like China, both from an income and marketing perspective? That's an interesting uh, and devious thought, isn't it? Mm. Um, 14 votes is the only thing that stops it. Oh, okay. oh right. You know, you know, okay. It's it's
2: it's it's as simple as that. Right. I mean, in theory, the the FA does have uh, a golden ticket when it comes to decisions. But uh, I, I think if the clubs played the uh, "we're all going broke" card. Uh, the, the FA doesn't particularly want to get involved in the Premier League, and of course, we have seen some of the UEFA Champions League and Europa League matches taking place at yes. third-party venues, yeah, for want of yeah, a better yeah. phrase. We've seen it happen in cricket as well, uh, so yeah, it, 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 it could certainly happen. Um, I, I don't know whether the the, the the logistical costs and the you know the, the fear of shipping the players at relatively short notice halfway around the world because they'd have to go in, into a bubble when they got to China yeah. you couldn't have them going across once a week because you know, the time differences and, and the time on the flight just simply wouldn't work um, I suspect the players wouldn't be particularly happy you know, many of them have got families uh, they've got kids and things of this nature but uh, yeah 14
1: votes is all, is, is all that is needed uh, You surprised me there as I was expecting you to tell Wayne that it was just a, an impossible idea um, and that was a ludicrous science fiction, futuristic sort of question. But and uh, you go, no, no, it could easily happen. So thank you for that, Wayne. Well, it's, um, it's, it's the thirty ninth game, all over again. Well, I was, I was about to say that because it's slightly different context. But if you the the, the fuss about, the, I'd rightly so, about the thirty ninth game would be. I suppose, because then the fear would be that fans would say, okay, I can understand this temporary move to China, but then you'd think, no, well, the Premier League would be happy to keep that going, wouldn't they? Anyway, um, we need to keep going because we still have questions and i have got our eye on the clock, uh, mainly because uh, it's Sunday morning and Palace are kicking off against Fulham. Come yeah. on, Palace! <laughs> I, f- I feel so so dirty. Oh, don't well, don't you? Well, not as dirty as you felt putting a bet on Palace to beat Brighton with four minutes to go. Uh, don't worry, I think we'll probably do what we did to you, which is the old rope a dope, and then Roy Hodgson can pretend that was the, the. We'll let Fulham. We'll let Fulham punch themselves out. <laughs> Uh, we're not expecting another backheel double nutmeg. Um, but talking of Palace, funny enough and interestingly, with producer guys listening, Kieran and I managed to subconsciously find a link between each question. So maybe you could pay a little bit more attention, clump them together. Um, Gavin Willis says so in November, uh, Premier Sports One, which is a, a premium paid-for channel, accidentally screened the first forty minutes of Palace v Leeds live in the UK. And what a forty minutes it was! <laughs> Um, it was meant, says Gavin, to be Cagliari v Sampdoria, according to the listings, but the free live coverage of a highly entertaining game, Gavin's words, not mine, uh, continued on the premium channel till nearly half time. Now, Gavin wants to know if Premium Sports will be fined for this, and what are the implications of a channel showing a live game in a market they have no right to? Uh, conceivably, they could be fined. They could be in breach of broadcasting
2: regulations, Um, but I suspect that given all that's been happening over the course of the last 12 months, it will just be uh, a bit of finger-wagging. The the implications, uh, if you're showing a live game in a market that you've got no rights to, is that there will be a rights holder in that country, and that rights holder could seek compensation for uh, somebody effectively having a, a breach of contract uh, you know, uh, in terms of, of of this this was our match, or you know, we we've paid for the rights for fifty mm. matches, and you're getting one for free. So therefore, we demand compensation either from the league itself or from the other broadcaster. Right. Um, so you know, our our silver tongued friends will be uh, sharpening their their uh, pencils on this one,
1: even though it seemed. Like it was, understand- I mean, Gavin said it was clearly the uh, Irish TV coverage that they were getting. So, and clearly someone's just pressed the wrong button and not really noticed it's been going out, haven't they? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, Nigel Phillips has a question directed. Straight at you, Kieran, and I don't blame him. There's really no point asking me to get involved in these things. (laughs) Nigel Phillips, uh, could Kieran explain what level of transparency there is related to players coming from overseas? When we see a report of, say, a £72 million transfer fee, in brackets, like Pepe, do Lille have to report what they actually received from the fee? I know Premier League clubs have to disclose fees to agents or intermediaries, but do overseas selling clubs have to as well?
2: Um, It it, it varies from country to country. Uh, In Italy, uh, they've got fantastic disclosure in terms of uh, the amounts paid for individual players and the amounts paid to agents. Uh, In my view, Juventus have the most detailed and, uh, from from my point of view, forensically exciting set of accounts, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and I said that with a straight face, um, of, of any club going. Um, and, and again, it, it goes back to, to what we were talking about earlier, that there's nothing to stop uh, clubs disclosing more. They will say that it's uh, it's uh, commercially sensitive information and therefore they will simply go along with legislation. L- legislation gives you, a, you know, a, a, a lowest common common bar. And this is where potentially a, a football regulator can come in. It's supposed to be a fad, fan-led review. If we had a fan-focused regulator, then, then we could have more details of this nature. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's the club owner's money, but you know, we're we're the people that are paying the TV subscriptions, buying mm-hmm. the merchandise and, mm-hmm. and paying for the... So, yeah, we, we, we do contribute. We don't contribute as much as some owners. I'll be the first to admit to that. Um, it, Ma- Manchester United used to be absolutely fantastic with regards to this. That They would say you know, the length of contract, the amount they paid for contracts. Uh, it used to be absolutely fan, you know re- Really good stuff. And then the Glazers came along and it was, well, we don't have to show this. We're not going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you could understand it
1: from their point of view. But once again, self-regulation doesn't work. Mm. Well Kieran Talking of merchandise And your subconscious Is really on fire Because we're straight Into a merchandise question Uh, But it's an interesting one From Steve Drake Who I assume Is a Portsmouth fan himself Because Steve Drake tells us that he's been really impressed recently by the variety of products sold by Portsmouth through their club store. Uh, so, for example, framed pieces of gold net from the League Two winning season, match-worn shirts, not sure that's a brilliant idea at the moment, players' old boots, signs from around the ground, etc. And Steve says, I wonder whether Kieran and Kevin have seen novel examples from other clubs. Well, I certainly haven't seen any pieces of framed net from a title winning season at Palace, um, not unless they've kept them from 1923. Um, but we we used to do a nice line in garden gnomes. I've still got those. And you can actually, and this is one of the saddest. I went onto the Palace Club shop yesterday to check. This is one of the saddest things I've seen. You can still get a miniature Max Meyer. Um, <laughs> which is the same size the same size as the actual Max Meyer, but it's been reduced to a pound, which is I just just the death was <laughs> just we've got two thousand miniature Max Meyers. What are we gonna do with them? They could. Yeah, they'd literally. No one's buying a miniature maxima even for a pound. Kieran, I presume you can still get official Brighton Labradors, can't you? <laughs> Certainly. Um, yeah. I mean, I I, I remember when uh, we.
2: I think in two. I think it was two thousand and five. We we rather cunningly came out with three kits, all of which were blue. <laughs> And then then they had to go and bring out one-off kits when they were playing an opponent who was playing in blue. And in fact, when we went to Leicester, we had to borrow Leicester's away kit. So Mm. so they did did sell those uh, one-off kits uh, to raise some money. I've I've looked at some others, um, and some of the more bizarre ones, um, Arsenal used to sell uh, pairs of slippers, which... Um, every step you put down, it, there was a little microphone in it, and it would—you'd uh, be able to hear the noises coming, noises of the Emirates. Sort of, they—they'd you know, they, recorded some. Mm. Um, I, I've no idea how many of these were sold. Um, Manchester City—you can buy a Manchester City suspender belt in in uh, in cobalt blue or whatever they call it. Of you can. Um uh, Whether it plays Blue Moon or not, I don't know um and in Fulham uh you, you can get the official Fulham plant pot nice which which has got the the, the Fulham logo on so yeah there, there is there is somebody from marketing at all at all meetings desperate to make an impression on on the on the chief executive, and they will they
1: are the people that come up with things of this nature. Yeah, so you notice how disciplined I was about the uh, slippers that make the noise of the Emirates. I've allowed yeah. <laughs> I've allowed people all over the world to fill in their own punchline. I mean, uh, hats off to Portsmouth, though, because in a in a time when every penny counts, a little bit of imaginative selling is because let's face it, fans will buy virtually anything if it's got their club crest or club colours on it. So I'm I'm all for it. I think I mean Portsmouth have done a very good thing. Um, Jacob Frick uh, is a, a regular listener, I know, and Jacob won't realize this but he's asked a question which is really 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 upset me um oh. <laughs> as jacob fricks says i recently watched the tv show ted lasso uh, or lasso i don't know how you pronounce it i don't care um mm-hmm. about an american coaching a fictional premier league club in london now the reason this is a bit of a sore spot for me this jacob is i was recently asked to audition for a small role uh, in ted lasso which was actually based on me <laughs> um, and I didn't get it, uh, which i still, still the, the still... My agent phoned up and the casting director said, it's it's kind of like what Kevin did on Match the Day 2, just be a cameo role. Basically, it's him, but we do have to show it to the Americans. So I did this little audition piece and the Americans said, no, basically, we, get, we need to get someone else to play him. The part of Kevin Day. Basically. So I was, I'm still slightly tender about it, Jacob, but, you know... Um, the show, this has made it even worse because the scene would have been at Sellers Park because they filmed most of it at Sellers Park and at Hayes and the But Jacob would like to know how much would those clubs have been paid and how much would the show have had to pay to use the many trademarks and sponsors names that appear? right in inspect in
2: in the place of the the football grounds themselves it would, it would just be a rental fee um, so you you will rent the ground for x pounds per day um, it, it, it'll be just like any corporate gig so the the commercial department will have arranged that with the the show producers the actual amounts you know clearly is, is a private contract between two parties um, in, in respect of the kit and so on I, I would say there's actually there's a case for saying there should be a reversal because this is product placement. Mm. You know, if if you if you take a look at Ted Lasso, and, and I don't want to upset you any further, but I watched the first series and, and it was magnificent. It was it was very very good. Yes, it was cliched to to the nth degree, but uh, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a, it was well written, um, and in practically every scene. Um, involving a computer, they just happen to be using you know, an iMac or a MacBook yeah, yeah, or because hey, it's on Apple TV. Um, but uh, you know, normally in in the world of uh, of, of entertainment, uh, you know, TV shows and so on, they they will uh, they will get bonuses paid to them for uh, product placement. So you know, if uh, if if there is a finance scene uh, in the uh, in The show, yeah, and, and they want a book on
1: football finance. You know, we, 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 we can negotiate that. That would be the ultimate kick in the teeth, wouldn't it? If you, you end up getting in there playing, <laughs> yes. you've got a scene where Ted Lasso needs to talk to a, fi- a football finance expert, and it's Kieran Maguire. Um, I, I, Kieran, you can say it's a brilliant program as much as well. the amount of stick you've taken about Brighton recently. I, I've got no choice but to sit here and take the stick about how good Ted Lasso is, with or without me. Our final question comes from Adam Bull. Um, Adam says, I've always thought of football as being one of the greatest successes of the UK economy, but considering all the press about Brexit and the fishing industry recently, I'd like to know how much football is worth in comparison to fishing now, Adam wins the prize for most unexpected question. Yes, I have to say, <laughs> really, I kind of read that several times, thinking, "What's is there a sub-? no?" But actually, the more I think about it, it's it's a very interesting comparison because I think it would help people to know just how much football means to the economy. As I, those of us who work in the entertainment industry are always pointing out, that it's the single most biggest source of income. Entertainment mainly through West End Theatre, but it's bigger than the airline industry. It's bigger than all sorts of things. So football needs people need to know how important football is. And and Adam's quite right. Fishing seems to have borne the brunt of any complications with with Brexit recently. So it would be an interesting comparison, wouldn't it?
2: Yes, yes. So um I, I went into the the government website, uh the the fishing industry uh the, the, the value of the catch that it brought in was £987 million pounds in, in 2019. So, yeah, it's a billion-pound-a-year industry. To, to then contextualise it against uh, football, uh, football clubs themselves in, uh, in England and Scotland and Wales, uh, they, they generated around about £6.5 So So football is six to seven times the size of uh, fishing directly um and then i the think you have got to look at indirectly you know what, what about merchandise mm. where, that you know um, what about the uh the broadcasting companies themselves which are you know provide employment and, and they provide uh, exports and things of this nature so um it is it is very successful and uh, it's a very successful export business because around about 50% of the money that that is generated is coming from uh, overseas tv deals and things of that nature Over, certainly overseas commercial partners and then there is football tourism which is which is relatively new uh, you know i've i've said before i've I've lived in manchester for 40 years of my yeah. life I, I work in liverpool um when when liverpool and manchester united are playing at home you, you can tell the difference you know you talk to the taxi drivers you try to get hold of a you well you can't get a a room in a hotel yeah. when yeah. when liverpool are playing at home um, so that they are that there's there 's a supply chain to those industries which is also impacted, so uh, yeah I think football's very successful, that is on the back of the Premier League, that is on the back of the the major clubs uh, and you know, no, nobody begrudges them. the fact that they earn a lot more money uh, on the back of that uh, I think yeah, my, my view is that they don 't need to have even more you know, they 're just getting greedy at present. Mm-hmm.
1: And of course, the fishing industry will have an indirect influence on other industries. I mean, when, when all this is over and restaurants and hotels are open again properly, if, you know, places like Padstow, which have several fishing restaurants or f- seafood restaurants, if they can't get fish, they're not going to open either, are they? I mean, so it will, you know, the fish finger industry will stuff. I mean, there's all sorts. It's it's very difficult to, to sort of just say this is how much an industry earns and that's it because every industry has a is a link in the chain, isn't it? That's right. That's right, and it's uh, it, it's my birthday tonight, and the Baroness is
2: cooking me sea bass penang. So she's been out to the local fish store, and uh, she's cooking me the my favourite uh, fish based dish.
1: Well, listen, if she doesn't love you enough to go to Malaysia to get fresh ingredients for your know, sea bass penang, then let's happy birthday, Karen. I didn't realise that. Well, well done for dropping that in, and now I, f- I feel terrible now for just. Willy nilly taking the Mickey out of Brighton and penalties and referees. And I should have been saying happy birthday. We'll, we'll oh, no, no, no. Take, <laughs> I, 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 I've reached the stage now where watching us has become funny. <laughs> well, good. I'm, I'm glad you're getting C, bro. I'm, I'm about to get a sausage sandwich brought out to me by Ali. So oh, right. oh, well,
2: yeah,
1: that one's right, in, okay. in its own. Yeah, it's a culturally appropriate food for South London. Oh, yeah. um, if you have any questions for our next uh, pod, it's questions at Price of Football. .com, that's any aspect of the football industry, as you've heard, no matter how tangential, we will answer them. It's questions at prizefootball.com. And I'll hand you over, as always, uh, for Kieran to say goodbye. And if he could do it without mentioning Lee Mason, I'd be amazed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, folks, for the feedback. If you're enjoying the show, if you could give us a review uh, yeah, on on Apple, we, don't, we myself and Kevin, we don't understand how it works. But it's but producer guy says it helps us in the ratings. It helps him to to book guests when when we're in the charts and things of this nature. You don't have to say nice things about. You could give us a five star review. It's, it's the stars that matter, not the comments. So you you can say you'd rather the show was presented by Edwina Curry and Lee Mason. But um, yeah, it's entirely up to you. Other than that, stay safe. Look after yourselves. Bye bye. bye. by
1: some football.